and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online 24-7, at least on the on the uh, on the on-air portion. Uh, and that is at, uh, well, both the on-air and online can be found at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. The, uh, the on-air part refers to, as you probably know if you're a regular listener, it refers to our radio loop. The radio loop is the second um, link on the homepage. That's where you wind up when you go to www.centerlefttalkradio.com. And uh, that link gives you a live streamed uh, version, copy of this show running in a loop that you pick up at any point in the loop it happens to be. The way you would normally access a radio show. Pick it up wherever it happens to be and allow yourself to kind of, you know... Get into it, as it were, which is the way um, that that wonderful analog way in which uh, we've all pretty much listened to radio or grew up listening to radio or even, you know, watch TV and radio. I'm assuming you never got there exactly when the show started. Uh, just when you're when you're browsing through the dial, surfing the dial and looking to see what comes up. Well, Central Left Radio is one of the things that comes up for you. So if you're, uh, if you're so inclined to go the analog route, we welcome you to uh, listen to us, as you very well may be, via our radio loop. If not, you're listening via our podcast. That, too, that's the first link on the homepage, www.centerlefttalkradio.com, or pick us up wherever you pick up your podcasts from, and that would be by going and looking for simply center left radio. I I had uh, I had intended to do this show. By the way, it, it, it's Monday, the third of May. Um, I had intended to do this show. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Forgive me. It's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> how oh how soon they forget it's tuesday i forgive me monday for 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 running uh, for 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 running roughshod over you and doubling up on you um tuesday the 3rd of may and i had intent uh, uh, intended pick a word richard uh to uh do a show about an amazing uh, event that I was part of and attended uh, over uh, the extended course of the weekend. Um, for, for any of you that have never been, and this is probably most of you, have never been to a really uh, full-blown Punjabi, northern Indian wedding... Uh, they can be rather lengthy affairs. In this country, pretty much the extreme would be about four days. Well, this was a four-day event. And the bride and groom uh, totally chose one another. This was not about one of these arranged, prearranged marriages or anything like that. 
But the dad of the bride, uh, who is uh, my cousin, well, my cousin by marriage, once once you're in an Indian family, everybody's relatives become your relatives, and you just get used to thinking and talking about it that way. Um, he went ahead and decided that... Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, as an expression of his love and 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 uh, and a statement of his uh, of his achievements, uh, there would be a, uh, a a substantial wedding done, and uh, my my initial thought was, oh God, a four day wedding, how how was this even? I can't think along those lines. Now I I I, I was married in an Indian ceremony as well. Uh, it was a, a long afternoon and evening, but it, it, it certainly wasn't four days. And just the notion of that, uh, I must admit, was uh, rather daunting. And, and in the time leading up to this, uh, I was so aware, and th th this is, this is a, you know, a silliness uh, on my part, but so aware that, oh my God, I'm going to have to put up with all this time and being part of this and I'm going to be in this mass of people and cast of hundreds and, and just having to smile and play a role and just being backdrop for rather boring, uh, traditional, uh, re repetitive sort of things that will go on indefinitely and I have to, well, geez, I guess, yeah, I guess I'll buy a new suit. Yeah, I'll get the whole thing. Oh, and, and my wife is going out and getting new Indian fashions and everything. The whole bit that goes with, oh, do I, oh, my God, the last thing I wanted. Boy, was I wrong. It was wonderful. And what was so wonderful about it more than anything else was the very thing that I had assumed would be the most difficult part, that, that there would be a hyper-formality and that everybody would be sort of like in the old Bollywood movies, and I use this as a reference even if you may not ever have had occasion to see any, but there was always a scene where someone is in a huge room, it's, it's a set, and they're in a huge room, it's supposed to be some kind of a formal, uh, someone's grand ballroom or something in their house or something, and there's someone sitting playing a grand piano. And they're playing something that's sort of sounds like a Western sonata composed by some 18th or 19th century Western composer. And the person playing is never playing. And if you know anything about playing piano, you could tell they're not. And they're sort of swaying and over, over choreographing what someone would otherwise do when they're playing a piano. And the people in the audience are dressed to the nines. The women are absolutely decked out in every kind of, of, of sari and, and savar kameez and every kind of, and the jewelry is just blinging all over the place and everybody gone. And the men sitting next to them are in their best suits and ties and everybody is sitting at perfect attention. I mean, backs are stiff and they're just absolutely paying attention to something, and you could tell by the expressions on their faces that they have no idea about whatsoever. They are just doing everything in their power to play the role, and these being actors in this particular situation, but they're simply playing the role 
of people who are supposed to be totally enthralled by what it is they're listening to going on in front of them, even though they have no cultural or any other connection with it. This, this, was, this was a staple of, of Bollywood films in, in, the, in the 70s, 60s and 70s. You saw this all the time. By the time the 80s came around into the 90s, little by little, big Bhangra scenes and everything began to take over, and now no one could care less about those old ballroom scenes, as it were. I guess I sort of envisioned myself being trapped in one of those old ballroom scenes. I had the time of my life. Now, the Mendy ceremony, they're, 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 I'll, I'll give you some idea quickly. And again, I said I wanted to do a whole show on this, but I'm not because something else has come up. And you'll, but you'll understand why I'm telling you about this. The four days are broken down into Mendy, which is when the henna designs are painted on the backs of hands and arms and on the front of hands. You've seen this. By now, you've seen this in America. It's become kind of a really cool thing to do. And it takes a certain, really a lot of skill. It's an artist who knows how to put this stuff on. And it ends up being sort of a, a, a brownish, depending on how long you allow the henna to sit where it is on your hand or your arms, wherever it's been applied, it'll be there, it'll be darker or lighter and last longer or shorter. The longest it'll last is a couple of weeks, a month. It's a, it's a tattoo that goes away, which is the greatest idea in the world because too many people get tattoos in this country based on whatever they were drinking that night and whoever they think was important for the moment and some, some wacky idea and suddenly it's there for life until you pay a fortune to somebody and there's a whole growing, uh, uh, a whole growing occupation of tattoo removers out there now. But the Mendy, uh, the, 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 uh, the, 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 those uh, tattoos, if you will, the henna tattoos, are, are self-removing over, over a period of, uh, you know, two, three weeks, fades away little by little. And they're the most beautiful things in the world when they're done by the right source. Well, the women at this event, uh, and this is mostly women who have it done, although men are having it done now too, uh, whoever they had, I, they had like three or four different artists doing it simultaneously, all obviously native Indians or Pakistanis, South Asians, Desi, as we, as we call everybody collectively, and doing phenomenal, phenomenal work. That was most of what happened on the first day. That would have been on Thursday. On Friday, we had something called the Sangeet. And the Sangeet is a singing, dancing ceremony. It's sort of like where everybody kind of joins in. Uh, it be, it's the beginning of the celebratory part of the whole wedding. And it's where everybody kind of comes together by doing their little bit, as it were, sometimes collectively, but many times independent in small groups to sort of honor the bride and the groom. Now, that doesn't sound like much describing it from a distance, but as a practical application, it was phenomenal. It was fun. People did little choreography things. The music, of course, is infectious. The Bhangra music, the, the Punjabi music is just 
you can't not want to dance and get up. The only my only complaint would be that it tends to be played at decibel levels that would make standing behind a jumbo jet during takeoff sound like a whisper. But that's the that's the nature of the beast for that. Phenomenal time. I mean, just loads of fun and plenty of food and drink and everything else that goes with it. Now, the third day, <laughs> yeah, we're moving along here. And, and, and the Sangeet would have lasted from, oh, I guess about, uh, I guess it started, it was an evening event. It would have been from about uh, six or seven, and it went well into about, you know, near you know, 10, 11, something like that. It was a lot of fun. It went for a while. Then we had the Haldi ceremony. And the Haldi ceremony is where a combination of turmeric, um, I guess, uh, is, are they still using the turmeric or something, something like it, giving that yellowish color, with yogurt, and I think that they add, some, they add something else. It becomes a paste. And in a symbolic gesture of protection and long life, everybody who's part of the wedding gets to apply this with an ancient type whisk on the faces and exposed arms and legs and hands of the, of the bride and groom. They are literally slathered in this stuff. And it's part of a statement of love and protection and that they will be blessed. And it goes back forever and ever, probably a few thousand years. But it's fun as all hell. And you know that it's being done as a statement of caring and loving. And everybody's good sports about it. And, of course, all the colors that go with this and the flowers. It's, it's just spectacular to be part of this and just observe it. That was an afternoon event, and that was outdoors for the most part. Oh, wait a minute. I haven't gotten up to the actual wedding, the shadi, as it's called. Well, that began at, uh, let's see, that began at about Oh my goodness, was it morning or I, I, I can't even I can't even remember at this point. We got to the Rockley, Rockley in northernmost New Jersey, right across the, the uh, tap, well, the Mario Cuomo, what was the Tappan Zee Bridge. I think we got there somewhere around, yeah, no, we had to be there, be, we had to be there by 2.15, and it went till midnight. We didn't quite stay to the bitter, bitter end, but more fun, more food, more dance, more everything than you can possibly imagine. And, and what this was all about, and I, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just leading you through this, but what it was really about was the beauty of family and friends coming together. This, this sense of just how significant it is to have a familial connection and in my particular case, to have that, although I'm married in, and although I am not a racial or genetic Punjabi, I'm a nice Czech Sicilian boy, whatever, uh, and, and, and to be welcomed in and with no sense of barrier or differentiation of any sort, to be part of all this, 
and to watch the family interacting and watch these bonds really get put together in such a beautiful and positive way under such delightful circumstances over the course of four, well, not quite continuous, people went their separate ways day by day, but over the course of four days and more time than most families would ever spend together in any one of those days. It was damned beautiful. It really, really was. And, and, and I pretty much wanted to just keep riffing on this and, and the meaning of all that as part of today's show. It's just, you know, we say, I, I say that Center Left Radio is the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. And every so often, uh, I, I like to do a show simply on a hopeful topic, on, on a hopeful feeling. Well, if ever there was one, it would be on the extended uh, shadi, the extended four-day wedding that we just attended, a group of us as, as, as a family. It was, it was delightful. And there are so many different aspects of it and so many different emotions of it and so many spiritual components and so many easy ways to expand from this notion of a core family into concepts of hope and talk about how hope is hope can be seen in our affiliation and our openness to others and acceptance and basically in forgiveness. And I, there, there were just about, there was, there was a half dozen different ways in which I was going to proceed outward from this core idea of the four-day wedding and to bring in notions of hope. That all changed, unfortunately, not that I don't want to talk about hope, but the, 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 the gist of the show and the nature of what I feel needs to be discussed, um, it would be easiest if I, if I did the following. I'm going to read from, I've never done this on this show in the five and a half years we've been doing it. I'm going to read from what is called a draft uh, opinion. Uh, many courts will frequently put out draft opinions that are about to be made final. Usually there's a header in the thing that says, this is a draft, it's being circulated as a draft. Uh, it, we request if you see any typos, if you see any footnote changes, it's, and it's circulated among staff or people within a law office or something. If you see something that's wrong, please get back to us, we'll make the corrections. But you can tell, if, you, if you've had anything to do with law, the look feel, smell, taste, the way it's written, everything else, and especially if you know the judge, the personality of the judge coming through, you can tell that this is a valid document or not if you have enough knowledge of the source of the people and the nature of documents of this kind. It's hard to fake it. It's a, it's a hundred plus. No probably it's a little bit under a hundred pages. You can't, you don't just fake something like this. Well, every court, most courts, larger courts, will do something like this, put out a draft opinion before the final one is legally published. And the Supreme Court of the United States is no different in that regard. Now, I'm reading from a very unusually leaked version 
of the draft opinion written by Sam Alito. Let, let, let me just do, I guess I've never, I've never done this before. I'm going to let these words speak for themselves. These are the words of Samuel Alito uh, speaking for the majority of the court. Okay, just, just keep that in mind. These, this in Sam Alito's words, and I begin with the words that you need to hear first. We hold that Roe v. Wade and Casey must be overruled. The, con the Constitution makes no reference to abortion, and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision, including the one on which the defenders of Roe and Casey now chiefly rely, the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. That provision has been held to guarantee some rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution, but any such right must be deeply, quote, deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition and, quote, implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. And there's a reference. The right to abortion does not fall within this category. Until the latter part of the 20th century, such a right was entirely unknown in American law. Indeed, when the 14th Amendment was adopted, three-quarters of the states made abortion a crime at all stages of pregnancy. The abortion right is also critically different from any other right that this court has held uh, to fall within the 14th Amendment's protection of, quote, liberty. Rose defenders characterize the abortion right as similar to the right recognized in past decisions involving matters such as intimate sexual relations, contraception and marriage, but abortion is fundamentally different, as both Roe and Casey acknowledge, because it destroys what those decisions called fetal life and what, law, and what the law now before us describes as unborn human beings. Stare decisis, he goes on to say, is the doctrine on which Casey's controlling opinion was based. That ruling, that stare decisis, does not compel unending adherence to Roe's abuse of judicial authority. Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak, and the decision has had damaging consequences. And far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened division. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. I'm putting in a lot of emphasis here. You'll understand why. The permissibility of abortion and limitations upon it are to be resolved like most important questions in our democracy by citizens trying to persuade one another and then voting. That is what the Constitution and the rule of law demand. What you have just heard, and, and, it, and it's, it, it, it's, it's almost... I can't explain to you, I, you know, I, I've made a point of saying over the years, and, I, and I've said this for decades now, um, I went to law school, I'm an attorney, I'm a licensed attorney, I've, I never had an image in my mind of being 
an attorney, of working as an attorney. I don't like, as a rule, other attorneys. That's, that's kind of a disqualifier right there. I hate the idea of going to court for any reason. I, I, it, it's, it's not me. It's not who I am. I never, I never could, like, like so many of the people I went to law school with, they had a very specific vision of where they would be and where they wanted to be legally, and they saw themselves in court, they saw themselves in whatever. I never had any of that. I had this idea of being a lawyer, of having the title, of having the JD, of having the license, and having that in, in conjunction with something else. But I never was really strongly, deeply uh, uh, attracted to some image about what I would be as a lawyer. It winds up I was a general counsel twice, which is, which is really weird when you think about it. But mostly what I was doing in those situations was writing. And that's my forte. This is what I do. I communicate. And legal writing is no different than any other. Now, even with this sort of peripheral sense, this, this sort of odd relationship I have with lawyering generally, this hit me as though I had spent my whole life dedicated to the notion of law. Anyone who has had a legal education cannot help but be devastated by this. Because what Alito has just done, in the words that I wrote, has essentially blown up, gotten rid of, abandoned the notion of stare decisis. Oh, it was, it was wrongly decided 50 years ago. And then wrongly redecided. Well, the major redecision would have, would have been in the, um, I guess, in the, uh, the Casey case, Casey in 1992, that was the major, that was the major challenge brought. And it's been decided again and again and again and again and again and again and other, and states have, it's been a, it's been a 50 year campaign by a lot of one issue religious organizations. And it's been a great fundraiser for conservatives and on and on and on and on. But what's always been the case is that 70 plus percent, and right now 70 percent of the American people want Roe v. Wade to be there. They want it to be the law. And, and, and Alito says that, well, you know, it doesn't fall within the rules of, it was a bad decision, and therefore stare decisis should not hold for a 50-year decision. 50-year-old decision shouldn't be covered by a rule that says the court binds itself to its prior rulings. No, 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 that was a bad ruling. And so were any of the other rulings that were made later on that preserved it. They were all bad. Why? Well, because this is about life. It's about something that the, the, the Constitution, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, never really talked about the right to an abortion. I mean, why, why, would, we extend, why would we extend the idea of human rights to something that wasn't specifically mentioned? You know, like, I don't know, slavery wasn't mentioned, we, we should be able to continue slavery, therefore, because 
well, then, then, then the 14th and 15th, the, the, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the Constitution, of course, had no business being enacted. Oh, oh, no, 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 that's okay. That's because, well, that's right, those were voted on by individual states, and then they came together, and the government as a whole adopted them. Oh, that would be Alito's reasoning here. There's one little problem with all that. Well, there's several. The first is that it destroys the credibility of the court completely and finally. If the Supreme Court of the United States cannot find itself compelled to retain a, a, a ruling, a 50-year-old ruling based on stare decisis, if, if you can talk your way out of that by simply saying that the original decision and, and all of the decisions since then were wrongly decided, then here, Justice Alito, is what you're saying. You're saying that all decisions of the court should and must ultimately be 9-0. Because, you see, in all of these decisions where you say it was wrongly decided... And in fact, in the two major ones, in Roe v. Wade and in the Casey decision, the majority opinions were written by justices appointed by Republican presidents. But they must have gotten it wrong. Do you understand that? You see, they got it wrong. And there were split decisions. The original Roe v. Wade was seven to two. But, you see, the two means that the seven couldn't be right. This is what you're saying, Justice Alito. You're saying that the seven justices couldn't possibly be right because, in your opinion, which would have been the minority opinion for the last 50 years, there was a mistake, a mistake about how this was being viewed. But you see, there's always, unless you have a 9-0 decision, there's always the possibility, there's always the, the, the ease of saying, there's a mistake. Someone saw, you, the other side, the dissenting opinion, writes a dissenting opinion, expresses a dissenting opinion, because it believes there was a mistake. But if having a dissenting opinion means that we're just waiting for another case to come up so that we can reverse what we've already stated, then the court has no basis for having any foundation based on what we call stare decisis. It can always be overturned. There will always be a political opportunity to change something. And especially when you have a 50-year standing law and rule and you simply decide to overturn it. Why? Because we finally have the political strength because three justices were appointed that basically lied their asses off during their confirmation hearings. All three of them absolutely said that Roe v. Wade was the law of the land. There's tape on this, there's everything, and you can read it and listen to it. And they lied, and they lied, and they lied. 
And now we're being asked as the American people to accept the decision of the court here in what will be coming down probably, they'll probably officially uh, announce it in June. It'll be, what is this? This is, this is the Dobbs v. Johnson. Dobbs uh, was the, is the, uh, the state health officer of no less distinguished a, a, a place of, of, of intellectual thought and, and, and medical uh, concept as the state of Mississippi. You know, it's got every bit of uh, Mississippi. Yeah, okay, let, 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 let whatever inference uh, enter your mind about it. That's fine. And this, they, what he was bringing, he's appealing a, uh, an appellate court ruling in Jackson, Jackson's women, Jackson, Jackson Women's Health uh, Organization. It's a, it's a clinic. It basically provided uh, abortions to mostly poor people. And uh, essentially... It, the, the, uh, the case rests on the notion that the moment a fetal heartbeat is detectable, uh, that's the moment at which abortion would become illegal in the state of Mississippi. Of course, fetal heartbeats become detectable uh, usually and can be uh, even before the woman's had her next period or basically has missed a period. And by then, <laughs> so but the moment, by the time any, by the time the average woman becomes aware that she is pregnant, it'll be illegal to go ahead and do anything about it. Which basically, uh, not only, and 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 according to the decision, the the draft decision, not only would they be reaffirming the Dobbs case, in other words, making Dobbs the law of Mississippi. But no, 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 this goes further. This will take away all Roe protections. Roe v. Wade is gone. What's the immediate practical impact is that basically abortion, there are trigger laws sitting around in something like, I don't know, 20 or 23 states right now that have been passed by their Republican conservative legislatures, being pushed by all the single-issue religious groups around them, saying that the second Roe v. Wade is overturned, a law will automatically be triggered in these states, making it 100% illegal to have an abortion. And, I don't know, possibly uh, the, uh, the, the, the doctor, if, if a doctor is caught performing it, he will be, I don't know, tortured and killed. Uh, it'll be, it'll be uh, a capital offense. You can be you could be, I don't know, the woman, I don't know, the woman gets put in jail, and I, I don't know. But what, however, however draconian and ugly and awful you may want this to be, those laws will probably be out there, and it'll, the situation will be such that we will have done, the, the Supreme Court will have done what we were unable to do what we've been unable to replicate since the end of the Civil War. And that is divide up the country by states. In other words, we, we have, we've had all of these, um, all, of, all of the uh, uh, culture war issues that are out there are, have had people divided up within within states, and you have differences of opinion about things, and they go more or less, and in the South and the Midwest have tended to be more conservative, and the coasts and parts of the central country have tended to be more liberal, and the numbers are 70-30, which means that Republicans, most, a lot of Republicans, not Trumpians, not crazies, 
who basically want no protections. Get rid of the protections. We, you know, hurt me, beat me, destroy my life. Don't worry about my kids. I just, well, I just hate them. So let's do something to hurt them. And even if it hurts me, it's a great idea because this is what God wants. And there's no hope otherwise. This takes all of the individual differences within states and since it throws it back to the state legislature, it's tantamount to when states decided to secede from the union. You understand? Within any given state during when, when secession was taking place, there were people who disagreed within families. It was, we, we, how many stories have you heard forever and ever? Within a given family, uh, brother against brother during the American Civil War, you know, this one didn't agree with that. It just broke families apart. It did, well, the, it, it, it happened because individual states decided that they were no longer going to be part of the union. Here you have a situation where 70% of the American people consistently want to preserve Roe v. Wade. The reactions here are going to be massive, massive. But they're going to be, with the, with the final publication of this, they are going to be formalized at the state level. And if you look on a map the way it looks right now, there are literally two two blocks of all contiguous states, upper Midwest and going down, let's say, to the west to Utah, and then the south, the solid south once again. And it may not be contiguous in the sense that during the Civil War, it was a perfect division between north and south, but this is as damn close as you're going to get to dividing the country in 2022. So what, what couldn't be done by just pure culture wars, the Supreme Court of the United States, in an abdication of its role as an unbiased de 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 decider in a complete reversal and a destruction of a standing rule about standing rules, in one sweep, of a political of a political machination, basically using a group of, of 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 hack lawyers who basically are appointed to the court who lied their asses off during confirmation, saying they would not do precisely what they're doing. A this this divided five four court is setting the nation on a pathway to being formally divided along pure cultural and political lines in a way that nothing else could have done up to this point. If you were looking for a way to set this country and state against state and people against, if you were looking away for a way to do that in a formalized way so you could look on the map and say, here are the free states, here are the slave states, or the equivalent, you could not have done a more perfect job of that than what the Supreme Court is about to do by defying its own laws and rules. Now I ask you, who the hell is going to believe anything this fucking court does from here on out.
is going to give it any credence? What ruling of this court will not be questioned and openly challenged by the side that loses? Who is going to say, well, you know, this is the final arbiter. This is where the last decisions are made. We have to accept this. No, 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 we don't. We can break all rules. We can basically say, you know, because this was about life, this is something that has to go back to where it was 50 years ago, where people were yelling and screaming and jumping up and down. And rather than making it about a woman's individual right, no one's saying, hey, you know what? If you're pregnant, you better get an abortion. That's the law. No, you have a right whether or not you want to. 70% of the country agrees with that. And for as much jumping and yelling and screaming as the one issue religious hypocrites have, have been going at this thing with for, for, for decades now, at least it was accepted that this was a right situation. Raise money off of it. Yell and scream. Go ahead and get people to go ahead and send in their dollars and their pennies and saying, you know, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. We should make it all illegal. God wants these people to go to jail, especially poor people who can't afford to do anything else. God doesn't want people to be able to choose. God doesn't want women to have a right to have a control over their own body. God wants women to be controlled again. God wants us to break with what every, every other civilized Western nation in the world is doing, and many not-so-civilized, uh, allegedly, nation. No, we have to go back. We have to prove that we can throw this goddamn country into reverse and hit the pedal. We have to prove that we can go backwards. We have to prove that we are not capable of dealing with an evolutionary democracy. We have to prove that we're scared to death of public opinion. We have to prove that we basically have a minority rule, that a minority of this country can hold the majority hostage by sheer force. That might makes right. If I can bully you down, if I can basically hold you down, and I am numerically less than you, as long as I can outmaneuver you and bully you down, screw you. I don't give a damn that you're 70% of the country. We are going, we're taking over. And you see, this is how these things tend to happen. No one bothering to look at the Second World War. No one bothering, bothering to understand how the, how the social, uh, the social democrat, what was it? This, this, uh, the National uh, Socialist Party came about. There's something that, that Tucker Carlson is promoting and others. It's called the National Conservative Party. And it's wildly similar in concept to the, to the fascistic concepts that basically were there in the Second World War. But they always sound great. And it always starts with a minority. And it always starts with a majority kind of expecting the government to basically preserve itself, to do what's right. And suddenly these things don't happen. And then, well, we had a civil war. 
It was over slavery. I don't give a damn what anyone wants to say. That's the, oh, well, you can't, you can't teach, uh, what are they calling it? What's, what's the, the, uh, uh, whatever, whatever the terminology is that the, the far right's afraid to use right now that we cannot review because my kids, I should, my kids should not be told that they were responsible because they were white, they were responsible for, no, they should be told American history. And and you, you know you you can't be uh, you can't be uh, uh, you know whatever 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 cultural term or thought process is out there basically to thwart the rationale and common sense of the majority to continue moving forward as an evolving democracy. This is oh my God, if you, you take away the court as a credible vehicle and everything falls apart. I, I, I write about, um, in my writing, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking myself out because I, a 13-year project that I have been writing and working, and I'm very near completion of the, the this is, the, I'm finishing up the 10th episode of a 10-episode miniseries, which then I have to market the hell out of, and I will, because it's, I'm now convinced that it was, uh, there, there's, there was inspiration, but then again, that's part of the story, that energy and, and the, our, our, our linkage via our shared universal energy is the source of everything that is good and wonderful about us, including inspiration, including uh, defying timelines, including allowing a sense of prescience to inform creativity, which I, I, you only have to read or observe the stuff that I put out there, and I'm looking at myself more and more as a conduit. I am a vehicle for ideas and thoughts that were out there that need to be thought about now. One of, one of the things that um, I write about is something that I've called a precipitating event. And, and you know, that, the, the, the concept being that just like the present, exactly like the present, Things are really iffy. Things are in flux. There's a, there's a real feeling of, of uncertainty. No one is sure. No one can depend on institutions. No one can depend on rule of law. There is no sense that a democracy, which is supposed to basically be the, the power of a majority respecting the rights of a minority, not inverted, a, not, not, not a, not a tier of a minority over a majority based on an unbridled utilization of force and a complete ignorance or a, a lack of, of, of attention to the ethical and moral underpinnings that people must respect if a democracy is to work. No, not that. We, we, we basically have a situation where something Finally, it, it's not even, it, 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 you could call it the match that lights the fuse. And once the fuse is burning, it goes. In, in my particular writing, I'll, I'll give away something. It's the discovery of extraterrestrial sentient life, but not the type of sentient life that anybody imagined. And nowhere that anyone would have guessed. Here, by overturning stare decisis, and begging the country to reopen its own wounds and solidifying the country on the map by basically 
women rights respecting states versus rights denial states by giving a victory to minority over majority within the country by now recodifying it by proving that the three Trump appointees were all lying their effing asses off during the confirmation hearings by basically stripping the court of any possibility for credibility by basically setting it up that now states have the right to do whatever they want by having literally that now forcing women and especially poor women to have to travel all over the country or maybe impossibly not allowing them to do that at all in order to to exercise their controls over over their own bodies for reproductive purposes to have an abortion a free fair and safe abortion by making that impossible in roughly half of the states you're setting up a dynamic which is not going to soften. Oh, okay, we'll get used to it again. No, we're going back to a make-believe time. We're going back to MAGA. This is the MAGA. But we are doing something ugly beyond belief. MAGA was a fantasy to begin with. Now we're actually trying to construct a theme park based on the notion of MAGA, we're actually trying to make it real. We're, we're pretending this court, the court, Alito, in this majority decision with these lying bastards that basically went along with him. Him, the three liars, and of course Thomas, who's just an asshole, basically sitting there willing to do whatever the hell he has to do, whatever, 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 whatever conservative organization tells him, whenever his wife basically decides that she wants to uh, join the insurrection and take down the country and all this other crap. This basically, this, this is what we're allowing ourselves. This is defining who we are. Who is going to put up with this? Do you expect this to simply become... Well, you know, yeah, you know, it's the early 60s. The, the Civil Rights Act never happened. We've never, we are giving up. We can just unwrite our history, and we're going to go back to where we were. We're going to fight this out, and if you don't like it, well, it's the law of the land. Well, love it or leave it. Get the hell out of America. You don't like the fact that there's no more abortion? Get out. This is my country. You don't like that? Does that sound prejudiced to you? That's what you've just created. Hello, Supreme Court. Hello, Mitch McConnell. Hello, every dirty deal ever done. Hello, Donald Trump. This is what you've created. Do you think we can survive that in 2022? Do you think we're basically up to making that work? Do you think we're ready to reconstruct the country along those lines, that we're going to tolerate that all over again? that every yahoo and every asshole out there is going to be so emboldened that they're just basically going to, we won, you lose, zero sum. And you know what you do to lose it? Well, you better shut your mouth. I'm sorry to be this, uh, you know, this, this, this regional in the way I'm saying all this, but this is what the hell happens here. You can't set it up like this. 
not because they don't have a right to basically complain. No, but because you cannot change the court. You cannot kill stare decisis. You cannot throw away constitutional history. You cannot destroy our democratic system and not expect there to be some kind of a pushback. This is nuts. This is ridiculous. And all of these people that we know and I've heard, you know, we're looking to move out of country, we've got to find a place, you know, geez, can you, do you, do you, you know, do you, do you, are, your, are your relatives from a country where you can basically get, uh, get citizenship rights, you know, after having been here for a couple of generations? If, yeah, I've been, yeah, I'm hearing about, uh, oh, gee, uh, Portugal, everybody's talking Portugal. What the hell? What are we doing? Now, on the other, well, okay, is there a, is there a, no, I wouldn't call there a positive. I would say there's a possibility that somehow the court, in its ignorance, in its expressed stupidity, might have such a wake-up call from the reaction that, the preliminary reaction to this leaked document. Someone in Politico supposedly leaked this. Maybe it was more than, you know, maybe, maybe, I'm sure with, with someone inside the court had to be cooperating to basically get this out. As I say, look at this document. This is not a forgery. This is for real. Maybe. Maybe they just wanted to hear. Maybe they just wanted to hear the place, see, hear, hear, the, hear the, the smaller explosions. Maybe they want to come back and suddenly play hero. No, 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 that was just a trial balloon. We realized what was going on. And they do a more modified decision that just focuses on the Mississippi case itself. <laughs> that just deals with, with Dobbs. Dobbs v. Uh, v, v Jackson Women's Health Services. Okay? And uh, maybe they say, well, the state of Mississippi, uh, uh, yeah, they have a... Maybe they modify it. See, because if you're going to keep if you're going to keep row, if you don't knock down row, then you can't make it impossible to have for a woman to, for all practical purposes, make it impossible to have an abortion. If if I if I'm not going to have an abortion as soon as at the earliest possible date that I could have known that I was pregnant, then you're basically you're you're, you're you know you you've made a you made a, a a logical contradiction, and even the law, as 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 messed up as people can make the law, that would work, that wouldn't work. So so maybe the court goes in that direction. Th then there's something else. Um, there's all of the indictments that could be coming down against Donald Trump. And there's been talk about whether or not a lot of that might happen at this point. Oh, no, no, you know, if, if, if he's indicted, automatically he'll be uh, the nominee. Well, what the hell? And if he's not indicted, he'll, he won't be the nominee? <sighs> Come on, people! Come on! The only possible way to unlight the fuse that's been lit already, and when that fuse burns and when it hits the powder keg, basically what happens is 
all bets are off for our democracy. Does that sound does that sound overstated? Do I sound as though I'm being absolutely uh, you know fatalistic? It's in an extreme. We are we are attempting. The court is forcing us into a magaland of the minorities making. You cannot have a functional democracy looking anything like we've had it and have that happen. You can't do that. You, I, I don't know how else to explain this to you. We, you've got to think, please, anyone on the Trumpian side of things, think this out. Try to get past the, the yes, we finally won the 50-year battle. The battle for what? The battle to have the right not to have an abortion or the battle to control everybody else? You, you see, democracy demands that there are compromises. And American democracy predicts, needs, a majority rule with minority rights. That's how we're set up. When it reverses to the point that it's going right now, and where the main arbiter, the final arbiter, completely abdicates on its responsibility to the system and the preservation of the system. I don't know where else things go but south. Forgive me, I don't mean that. I mean, well, in this particular case. And, 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 and what's the next right that gets destroyed? What's the next thing that's not guaranteed by the Constitution? Oh, geez, how about gay rights? How about the right of gay people to have, well, that's, that's not covered. That's not covered by the 14th Amendment. We better go ahead and start to, hey, we better get the transgender. We better be destroying all transgender. This is, this is, this is, the, this is, the, this is 19, late 20s, early 30s Germany. Don't, doesn't anybody see this? Doesn't anyone understand how this works? Are we this ignorant of world history? Are we this dumb and, 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 and basically just deluded about who we are and that democracy is a self-perpetuating system that no matter what we do to it, it'll still be democracy and we'll all wake up and it'll be okay in the morning and we'll go to the mall? Is, is, this, is this basically what we've been reduced to? Are we this dumb? Please say we're not. Please, I, I, a, a small prayer, let, let the court understand and hear reactions like this and many others and say, whoa, we can't, we can't, take, we can't be held responsible for taking down the court. We, we had no idea how people would respond to the court. That Why wouldn't people still find us credible? We've only destroyed all of our own rules. And we're, we're still a, a valid arbiter of everything. What, please, I'm, 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 I'm saying a prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm linking to the, I'm, everything I can do. Make this, make this the wake-up call to this court. If the court were to change this document and basically rule narrowly on the Jackson case, in Mississippi, the Dobbs-Jackson case. Not Dobbs, uh, yeah, Dobbs, Dobbs-Jackson. It would be a signal, even now, it would be a signal saying we realize, my God, we saw the reaction in the country. We realize what this would be doing 
to our own credibility. And we understand and recognize that what we, the court, in, 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 in the ultimate statement of irony, nine people would be destroying the functional ability of, 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 uh, of a liberal democracy to work or to, in any way, shape, or form. We would be going against 70% of the will of the people simply and, and undoing 50 years and, or maybe you know, 240 years of court history. That's not a good thing. We, we wanna, we're going to yank that fuse out of the powder keg. We can do that. We're going to yank it out. And it'll be messy because they're already celebrating in, in, in La La Land, in MAGA Land. They're jumping up and down. They're fun. I don't know. By the way, you know, you MAGA types, um, you should want Roe v. Wade to be out there because it's the greatest fundraising tool in ever. If you win this one, what the hell do you raise money for? For your militias to, to take over the rest of the country? I, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, that sounds a little crazy, but it, it's, kinda, it's kind of within the realm of possibility here. What, what are you going to raise money against? What's your big thing? Uh, you know, uh, anti-woke laws or, uh, or uh, I, I don't know. What, what are you, what, what you going to go for? The next thing is going to have to be racial. You're going to have to actually be openly uh, raise money against racial stuff. You'll, you'll put it in final words, but the racism aspect of it, which maybe was just a spillover up to this point, but now it'll be your primary focus because you won't have anything, you won't have the abortion issue. At least that had the churches not looking terribly, you know, hypocritical. I mean, mostly hypocritical. But now the churches are going to have to become openly racist in order to keep, you know, keep your, your, you in your pews and, and get the money flowing. Do you realize this, is, this, now, this now focuses all the hatred and the anger and the fear into even more dangerous areas? The fuse. It's heading towards the powder keg. I don't know how long that fuse is. But damn it to hell, Supreme Court. Use your brains. Don't give up the country. Please yank the damn fuse while you can. Little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. We've seen a draft released that purports to be the final statement under Justice Alito of the majority decision that will take down, remove, destroy Roe v. Wade and a woman's right to reproductive rights. Please, if you do that, you destroy the court, you destroy all of its credibility, you destroy the democratic underpinnings of this country, you make it impossible to function. Please change your mind court while you still can.